Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see change lives, and we hope that this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy this message. Nice to be back at the Valley again. And it's exciting to see how God is blessing and uh, what's happening here. It's just a nice experience for us to come back once in a while and know how God is working. Uh, We got to come up here for Easter service, and that was a very special time for us. I didn't speak that Sunday. I sat over here with my wife, and uh, I looked around. And, And I'll have to admit that when I go to church, I often sometimes get thinking about all kinds of stuff. Does that ever happen to you? You know, sometimes I just not as focused, and, and sometimes I'll get to thinking about things, and sometimes comes I'll get in my head and I can't get it out, and sometimes it's wonderful thoughts, and sometimes it's things I got to get rid of. And, and if, if I ever get bored in church, what do you do if you're bored in church? I look around at the structure about how things are built. I'll think, well, that worked that way. And I'll think about when we built this building and had it designed and built the children's building. And I'm in a different church. I think, I wonder why they did it that way. And when I'm in Honduras or or Cuba, I think about how the church building's built. Uh, When when I was young and and I got bored, I played baseball in church. Now, you don't have hymnals anymore, so I can tell you this because you can't do it. We had hymnals. And uh, if I got bored... I'd pick a number, say 202 hymnal, and if I opened it up the first time, it was a home run. And if I had to do one more time, I got it, it was a triple. And it took another time, it was a double. If I got it on the fourth time, it was a single, and after that, it was an out. And so I played baseball in church. Uh, I don't suggest that. But when I was here for Easter, my mind started thinking about, I don't even know what was going on in the service. I got to thinking about uh, when we first came to Piqua in 1990. And I came here with no thought whatsoever of uh, starting a new church. And no thought, that was was no thought at all. And and I got to thinking how that uh, God brought us to Piqua and uh, eventually, three years or so after we got here, we decided to start the Valley Church. And then I got to thinking around here thinking, you know, I wonder how many people here today would not know Jesus Christ if the Valley Church didn't exist. And then you begin to think, Lord, thank you that you had different plans for me than I had. You ever have a time in your life when God kind of changes your plans and you didn't expect it to be changed? And then you look back and say, that was good. Maybe you showed up at church and somebody almost drug you there and you didn't plan to come and yet you met Jesus Christ and it's changed you and your family forever. I, uh, when I retired from the church, I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought I'd go back to Honduras where we were missionaries, probably go back a couple times a year and help out. In fact, we still have an apartment down there that's ours. And I get back now about once every couple years, and that's it. But I thought, I thought I'd be going back. But uh, right after I retired, I found out that uh, Cuba, of all places, was opening up to Americans going back. 
And so I signed up, and I said, okay, I'll go down and check out Cuba. My brother tells me that when I went on that trip in November, uh, or August, or November of the end of 2012, he says that I said, I'll, I'll never go back to Cuba again. One time and done. That's it. I don't need any more. I just came back last week from my 43rd trip to Cuba. <laughs> and God is blessing. I'm, I'm being used down there in ways I never dreamed. I made relationship with the leadership, and, and they treat me like family, and it's just been a wonderful experience. It wasn't uh, my plan. God said, I've got a different plan for you. Back when I was pastor here, I tried to get the Valley Church more interested in Honduras. And uh, they went down with me several times. We did building, te building teams and whatever. But it never quite clicked to where it was the church's project. It was always mine as pastor since I'd been there. Well, then one of the last trips I got, I got a guy named Rob Alexander to go down with me. And uh, I, as I understand, I was talking to his daughter at, between services. Uh, even though he signed on the trip, as the trip got closer, he, he wasn't too sure he wanted to go, but he was already committed. I talked to Julia's wife yesterday. He said when he was down there, he set his, his phone to a timer that had exactly a countdown to when he would leave about a week later. So anytime he could go, he could look there, and he'd know how many more minutes he had to be in Honduras. Well, lo and behold, God has a sense of humor. The time came for them to leave. We were all at the airport. I was actually flying out to the Bay Islands with a few people for some vacation time. He was taking the group and flying back to the United States. The, it's, the Tegucigalpa was in the mountains. The fog came in, and no plane could leave except mine, and I got out that day, left Rob sitting there. Long story short, they closed the airport for three days. <laughs> Rob got to stay three more days. But you know, during that time, God was at work. God changed his plans. And now the Valley Church goes down every year, You've helped on the North Coast so much. A lot of you have gone. A lot of people are there that knows Jesus Christ because God changed Rob's plans. I've learned something in life, and I think we all know it. It's a verse that, if I get this thing to click, I'll click it. Am I turned on? Click. There we go. A verse in the Bible God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. I'm going to ask somebody to go get me a bottle of water and bring it to me. I don't all of you do it once. I only need one. All right, there goes one. Kevin's going to get it. Or Katie is, somebody is. You know, I, I've learned in life that I make plans, but if I'm following God, it doesn't always go according to my plans because did you know that change often happens to all of us? And God wants to use it for good. One of the uh, most famous verses in the Bible is this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. A lot of us love that 
that God has a plan for me. That was written to the Israelites when they were completely messing up. They weren't following God's will for them at all. And, and God, the prophet goes, and he, he prophesies the word of God, and he says, God says, I have a plan for you, and it's a good plan, and it's going to give you a great hope and a future. Do you know what they did? They didn't do it, quite frankly. God had the plan, but they didn't do it. Instead, they went into misery. You see, God has a plan for all of us, but it doesn't work if we don't do it. If I had said no to Cuba, I would have missed out on a great blessing of what he wanted to do it. If we would have said no to starting the, this church, oh, a lot of you would have found God's will somewhere else, but we wouldn't be here today. If Rob wouldn't have said yes to God, you wouldn't be going down to Honduras like you are and doing such great things. It all brings me to a story in the Bible. A story that, a passage that I never liked. I'll be real honest. There's part of the Bible that I don't like a lot. Sometimes it's convicting. Sometimes it's confusing. I don't understand it. I'm like the guy that said, they asked him, I said, do you, do you understand all in the Bible? He says, no, but what I do is enough to change my life. Well, here's one that took me a while to understand. To the angel in the church of Laodicea write, or Laodicea write, these are the words of the amen. Now, the words of the amen, that stands for Jesus. If you read the beginning of the revelation, you'll find out who's talking, and it's Jesus. The faithful and true, the witness, the ruler of God's creation. Laodicea was one of seven churches that there are special letters to in the book of Revelation. The other six churches get positive words. Laodicea gets negative words. Laodicea was a very prosperous city. It's in what is now Turkey. It was very prosperous. It was at an important junction in the highways. It had a banking system that was renowned for the area. They had a production there of making a black wool that was very special. They had the right uh, sheep and everything, very expensive. They made eye salve there that people came from all around the area, all around that part of the world for their eyes. They, they had it going. They were wealthy. They were well-known. They were proud. An earthquake hit Laodicea sometime during that time. The emperor of Rome said, We'll send you all the money to replace your city. They said, no, don't send it. We can do it ourselves. They were very self-sufficient. They were very, very proud. But Laodicea had a problem. They had a water problem. You see, about seven miles to one side of Laodicea was the city of Heropolis. Seven miles is about the same as from here to Fletcher. In that area, in Heropolis, they had hot water springs. If you've ever been to hot water springs and gotten into it, it feels good. They say it has healing power. Uh, you got to realize this was a place where they never had hot water. People would come from hundreds of miles away to that city because they loved that hot water springs. It was beautiful too. You see, hot water has a use. It's good for bathing. 
It's good for health reasons. It's useful. 11 miles on the other side of, of uh, Laodicea was a town called Colossus. Uh, we know it best because there's a book in the Bible called Colossians. It wasn't a very prosperous city, but it was at the foot of a mountain. They had wonderful water to drink. It was cold. It tastes good. Everybody liked it. They had cold water. Cold water is useful. It's good to drink. Hot water is useful. It's good for bathing. But poor Laodicea, their problem was they had lukewarm, stinky water. It wasn't any good. It didn't taste good. It wasn't a nice temperature. It just wasn't good at all. It was a real problem. So here comes Jesus, and this is what he says. I know your deeds. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. When I was young, and I'd heard this, I thought, oh no, never drink lukewarm water. Never drink, either drink a hot or cold, but don't drink lukewarm water because God doesn't like that and he'll spit it out of his mouth. That didn't make sense. And then people said, no, here's what it means. It's better to be hot for God or nothing, but don't be halfway with God. That didn't make sense to me either. I mean, if you're on fire for the Lord, praise God. But I'd rather have you just in here halfway warm than to be cold. That didn't make sense. But then I heard about their water. And I thought, that's it. What's he saying to them is, you're just like your water. If you were hot, you'd be useful. If you were cold, you'd be useful. You're lukewarm like your water, and I don't like it. In other words, he's telling the Laodiceans, you're a church and you're not useful. You're just stuck on yourself. You're not reaching people for Jesus Christ. You're not seeing changed lives. You're just caring about yourself. And so Jesus goes on to say, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. Just like their city. We're rich. We don't need the emperor to help us. But you don't realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I don't know about you, but if Jesus walked in here and said that about the valley, I'd be awfully sad. And so would you. This is quite a condemnation of a church. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. Not in your money, but in your spiritual condition. White clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. Not the fancy black wool that you produce, but what I give. And salve to put on your eyes. Not the salve you make, but the salve I give you so you can see. And then Jesus goes on to say, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. In other words, he says to Laodicea, you're not what I want you to be, but I still love you. I still care for you. I still want you. I, I want to use you for the kingdom. And so then we come to one of the most famous verses in the Bible. 
It's a verse that I've used often when I've led someone to Christ. And it's this. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, most of my ministry, when I've used this verse, it's been to someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ. And I'll say, the Bible says, Jesus has said, he's at the door. If we'll open the door, he'll come in. Excuse me. He'll come in. He'll fellowship with us. You'll have a new experience. And that is true. But this verse was not written to those who didn't know Christ. It was written to the church. It was written to the believers. And he says, you're not quite where you ought to be. But I haven't rejected you. I love you. I'm knocking at your door. If you'll hear my voice, I'll come in. How would you feel if I came to your house, knocked on the door? You recognize me. Oh, Pastor Paul, come on in. How are, you know, how are things in Tennessee? And, and instead of even greeting you, I just walk in and I go over there and I say, this chair, it doesn't belong there. Put it over here. And I just move it. And this table, nah, put it over there. And that picture on the wall, I don't even like it. Take it down and put it in the garage. And, uh, and I go around there and begin to move all your furniture around. Just move it around, move it around, move it around. How would you feel? I know how I'd feel. I'd kick you out. <laughs> or call the police. I'm not sure what I'd do. You see, it's your house, not mine. When I invited Christ into my life, he comes in in a different way. Now it's his heart, not mine. And many times in my life, I found that he wants to rearrange my furniture. Now, Mary and I are the type that when we find a way we like the furniture in our house, we rarely move anything until we move to the next house. Some of you probably move it every, how many rearrange your furniture at least every two years? A few of you. Every five years? We'd never do. Sometimes as Christians, we're like that. We're happy where we are. We think everything's great. And God says, I've got some rearranging to do. Are you willing to let me do it? And he comes in and he rearranges our furniture. That's what happened when we started the Valley Church. He rearranged my furniture. That's what happened when I started going to Cuba. He rearranged my furniture. That's what happened with Rob and all you who go to Honduras. He rearranged your furniture. And God comes in and he rearranges your furniture. And when we got ready to start the Valley Church, some people tried to discourage us. Some people didn't like we were going to do it. Some people just thought we were crazy. They, people would say, well, what are you going to do if it doesn't work? I'd say, I don't know. I'll do something else. I don't know what I'll do. God has a plan. Uh, some people came and said, oh, it's so hard. We were in a church start. It's just so hard. And this doesn't work. And that doesn't work. And some people will try to discourage you. I remember that a family came to our church. And they accepted Christ. And they felt called to obey God's command to tithe. And so they'd been to tithe, and they didn't have a big income. And they said their family came to them and found out about it, and they said, you're crazy. How come you're going money to the church? You hardly have enough to, 
make ends meet. And they said, no, that's what God called us to do. I'll tell you right now, in that case, God blessed them, and they were better off afterwards, as God often does. People will come to you like that if you give your heart to Christ. They'll wonder why you're doing it. I had to make a decision early in life. I wasn't going to let other people rearrange the furniture of my life. That's something I gave to Jesus. One of my favorite stories, it's obviously just a story, but I like it. Guy goes, uh, a guy had a mule, and uh, the old mule got sick. So he went to the veterinarian, and he said, my mule's sick, what do I do? And he said, well, tell me the symptoms. He told him the symptoms. He said, well, that's easy. Here's three big pills. Just give him one a day for three days, and everything's going to be fine. So the guy goes back, and uh, I've never had a mule, but I can imagine it's hard to get a mule to swallow the pill. And he pried, and he did everything to get that mule to swallow the pill, and nothing happened. So he went back to the veterinarian, and he said, it won't work. He won't swallow the pill. All the veterinarians said, that's not a problem. Get a hollow tube, you know, like a hose or something. Stick the pill in there. Stick the thing in the mule's mouth. And then give a big blow. And just blow that thing right into his throat. Next day, he goes back to the veterinarian. And the guy looks terrible. I mean, he looks like he's sick as can be. And the vet says, veterinarian said, what happened? He said, the old mule blew first. You know, if you let someone else rearrange the furniture of your life, when God's calling you, you're letting the old, well, I won't call him the old mule, but you're letting someone else take God's place. And I've learned in life when God calls me, if I'll follow his plan for my life, no matter what others say, that he'll bless and things will go forward. But it's not always easy. It's not always quick. Sometimes Satan will fight against you, try to convince you not to do what God's called you to do, not to rearrange the furniture, to just be happy as you are. When I was a uh, missionary, I would go out and hold services and in the churches up in the United States to uh, get emphasis in missions. I was in Arkansas one time, and uh, I needed a ride to the next town. The lady volunteered to take me. She was probably old enough to be my mother, maybe my grandmother. She was quite a bit older than I was. And so I went in those situations. I said, well, uh, tell me about your family. Is your husband a Christian? And what's, a, what's happened? She said, oh, no, my husband's not a Christian, but I think he will be soon. I said, well, tell me about it. He said that our family was not in good shape. My husband drank a lot. We didn't go to church. It wasn't good. A friend invited my teenage son to church. And at that service, he accepted Jesus Christ. He came back and told us. He said eventually he got me to go to church. I accepted Christ. There was a big change in my life. But my husband, who drank a lot, just continued drinking. He said it infuriated me. Said we were... He was drinking up the money. We were poor. It was bad. It affected my family. He said he would go out on the weekends and come in drunk. He said, it just infuriated me. He said he would walk in. He said, I would be so angry. 
He said, I wasn't happy about it, but she said he would come in and I would scream at him and he would scream at me and it was a big fight and we'd get into a fight and said that happened week after week after week. But she said, I wasn't satisfied. So she began to pray. And she sensed that God wanted to rearrange the furniture of her, of her heart. And she began to think that this isn't right. I shouldn't be arguing like this. I can't control what he does, but God can help me control what I do. She said she began to pray every time she would see him, Friday night or Saturday night, don't know which, coming up through the gate of their house, through the yard. She said, I'd be praying, Lord, help me to respond differently. She said it didn't work. He'd open that door. I would scream and yell and talk about the money, talk about him, talk about what he was doing to us, talk about how he didn't love us. But she said one time, he started in there. She said she was praying, Lord, this time, give me strength, give me power. He walked in the door. She opened the door. And instead of screaming, she said, I went over and I hugged him and said, honey, I'm so glad you're home safely. I've been praying you'd get home safely. Thank goodness you're okay. She said, he began to cry. You see, what was the difference? Instead of concentrating on him, she concentrated on her. For we can't change the other person. But if someone's disappointing you, God can change your thoughts said it wasn't too long he stopped drinking said he's almost a Christian he goes to church I think he'll be a Christian soon it wasn't easy it took effort sometimes when God wants to rearrange our furniture it's going to take a while remember one time I came home from one of those mission trips I was out about two weeks doing services we had a one that Brian was in kindergarten that David and Christina were three and four years younger than that I come home and Mary's in tears. She says, honey, it's been so hard. I just can't get anything done. You know, sometimes I say the wrong things when things like that happens. You ever do that, guys? That time, God helped me. I said the right thing. I said, Mary, don't worry about getting things done. Taking care of our three children are the most important thing you can do right now. The time will come to get things done. You know, if you have four, three or four preschoolers and you think God's calling you to do something special, you probably can't send one of them back to the hospital. <laughs> They're there. God's called you to raise those kids. Maybe you say, well, God's calling me. I, I just feel like God's speaking to me today that debt is not his plan for the way I handle my finances. And Lord, I, I need to get out of debt because I can't do what you've called me to do. I, I'm not efficient and it eats on me because I know it's not right. God's called you to get out of debt, but it may take some years. Get started. You think, well, my body's the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why am I treating it like I am? Why am I in the shape I am? Why do I eat what I eat? Why don't I get some exercise? It may take some time to get it in shape, but start now. 
Do what God's called you to do. It may be that you feel like God's calling you to a different career. You're ready to jump right now, but uh, maybe the first step is in education. You see, when God calls us, he gives us time. He gives us time to do what he calls us to do. Will you open the door and let him come in? Will you let him rearrange your furniture however he wants? Uh, one thing I've learned as I go along in life is that when Satan wants you to do something, he says you have to do it right now. If you don't do it, you're going to miss it. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it. When God calls us, he gives us time to think and pray about it. I read a story about a guy who felt like he wanted God to work in his life. And he said, what, what am I supposed to do? Or what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? He looked up the sky and lo and behold, in the clouds, it looked like a big P and a big C. He said, that's it. I'm to preach Christ. He went out and started preaching. About a year later, somebody heard him preach. And he was telling the story. He said, I think he got it all wrong. PC, that didn't stand for preach Christ. That stood for plant corn. If we rush into something, we'll often get it wrong. When God calls you to rearrange the furniture, he's going to speak and he's going to let you know. My favorite verse in the Bible is, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a, a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Get started and let God confirm it. An important date in my history, an important date in the history of this church, but you didn't know it. I wouldn't even know when it was, except it was the day there was a partial eclipse of the sun. When we uh, were considering starting a church, and I wasn't convinced yet, I didn't know whether to do it or not. I didn't know what to say. The district superintendent was even telling me it would be a good idea, but I wasn't quite ready. I uh, called some friends up in Michigan where we used to pastor, and I knew they had a cabin up in Michigan, and I Figured it probably wasn't occupied a lot. I said, could you loan me your cabin for a couple of days? I just need to get away and think and pray about something. So I went up to that cabin. And um, I'm not the kind like some that go on 30-day fasts. It's a great thing if you want to do it. I know God speaks. I, it just wasn't my nature to do those kind of things and, and to go into a, lo a long series of prayer. I believe in praying, but... Everybody speaks to the Lord differently. But that time I thought, I've got to get away and just really think this over. So I went up, and on May 10th, 1994, I was in their cabin. I never left the cabin all day. I prayed. I paced. I read. I thought. I forgot it was the day of the eclipse. And the only reason I knew it was the day of the eclipse, I happened to go to a different room in the cabin. I looked out the window. I thought, this is strange. It's kind of dark outside. It must be a big cloud or something. Never thought a thing about it till the next day. In fact, I had planned to go out and see the eclipse, what's going on. But during that time, God spoke. And I went back to Mary. And from then on, we were all in. A lot of people didn't know it. We hadn't got everybody together to tell them it helped start the church. But it was a day that God confirmed the rearrangement of the furniture in my life. And I encourage you, seek God's will before you do something. 
God has a plan for you. It may be different than you think. Don't be afraid when he rearranges the furniture of your life. Here I am. I'm supposed to look back there. Andy showed me that you have it on the back. Did you know this is on the back wall too? If, if you want to turn around, not look at me. You, you can watch the service without looking at me. <laughs> just, just Now I see three of you doing it. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, with that person, and they with me. It's a decision. A little decision can make a big outcome. But look carefully at the picture. What's missing on the door? The doorknob. The doorknob's missing. That's because there's none on the outside. It's our choice if he'll come in or if he won't. In a little while, we're going to have communion. There's tables set up here. We'll invite you to come up and get one of these little cups. If you don't know how to operate it, the bread's on the first layer. The juice is on the second layer. The bread represents the bloody, bloody, the blood of Christ. Excuse me, the, the body of Christ. The grape juice, the blood of Christ. This was a ceremony that uh, Jesus did with his disciples right before he died. He, uh, he knew he was going to the cross. That was planned all along. His disciples didn't get it at all. He said, uh, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. He says, afterwards, do this little ceremony. And when you eat the bread, it's my body, symbolically. And drink the juice, it's my blood. In other words, it's me. It's me coming into your life. I'm knocking at the door. I'm coming in. The disciples really had their furniture turned around. Most all of them, except John, they say, died as a martyr. They, they went out and changed the world, but it wasn't easy. They never knew what was coming until it happened. And so he said every time, remember me. So when you come in a little while to do communion, I want you to really think what it means. It's being Jesus standing at the door and he's knocking. Whether it's the first time, maybe you have accepted Jesus Christ. You're saying, Lord, come in. You can rearrange my furniture. Maybe you've been a Christian for most of your life and God says, do I still have the right to rearrange your furniture? If, if needed, it's taking Jesus into our heart. And if you're listening online, go find some crackers. Go find something that you can drink and get it ready for the end of the service. Jesus calls us to great things. The eclipse of 1994 was partial. In uh, about four years ago, on, uh, it was August 21st, 2017, I got to experience a complete eclipse of the sun. Did any of you see it? We went down. We live on Tennessee. It went right over our house. It was amazing. It wasn't quite what I expected. It didn't get as dark as I thought. But it was really amazing to be able to take off the goggles and look at the sun when it was completed and block it out. See that fire ring around it. It was amazing. Much more amazing than a partial eclipse. Do you know 
that the next one is going over Piqua? It's, don't write it down. It's April 8th, 2024. Don't be gone that day. It's an experience you'll never forget to see a complete eclipse of the sun. It's amazing. You know, opening the door partway to God, it's interesting. But opening the door completely to God and letting him just do what he wants, it's amazing. It's amazing what God can do in your life when he rearranges the furniture. When my mother was about 100 years old, uh, we had a big birthday party for her well, when she was 100, right that year. And my brother made a big PowerPoint for her. And it started out with birth, you know, childhood, teen years. He had a title for everything, college, marriage, you name it. But he got down to her last years. He said, Mom, I don't know what to call these years. She said, call it satisfied. As she got older, you don't usually say that when you're 100, but as she got older, and she got up to 104 and passed away on Palm Sunday. But those last couple of years, several times while I was with her, she started telling me things she could do differently if she could. Different things. You know, I, I would have done it this way. I wish I'd done this. But I always sensed this, that while she would change, do things differently, she was still satisfied. And when I look at my life, there's many things I would do differently if I had to do over. And several of them have to do with what we did here at the Valley. There's things I do differently. And I think the church would have prospered even more. But that Easter service when I was here, I could look around and say, yes, I would do some things differently. But I'm satisfied. Because I never, ever lost my focus changed lives for me my family you cuba honduras and beyond if your focus is to see changed lives like god's calling kathy mays for the school whatever it is at work wherever it are we'll witness we'll never get it all right but God says, I love you. Do the best you can, but keep your focus. Keep your focus, what God wants us to do. We're called. We're called for a purpose. When I first became a pastor, in fact, I was still in seminary, back in about 1972, and I was in a Christian bookstore, and there was this little thing you hang on the wall. It was just paper. It had a picture of a mountain goat. And up there on the mountain goat, it had a, uh, a sign. And the sign said this. When God calls, don't look over your shoulders to see who's following. Don't look over your shoulders to see who's following. You know, I've thought about that a lot. There's times when people try to discourage me. There's times when I don't work. But I always said, if God's calling me, I don't have to look and see what they're doing. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Sometimes, though, in our lives, 
even though we're trying to let God rearrange our furniture, there become dark times. Times when we ask, God, where are you? How come you're not with me? I can't even find you right now. Why did that person die? How, how, what happened to my children? Why was I treated unjustly, unfairly? Why am I sick? Why did my this and that happen? You ever have times like that? God, it seems like somebody else is rearranging my furniture. It seems like somebody else is, is doing that. And Satan comes and plays in our mind and says, God isn't just, God isn't fair, God doesn't care about you. And people go through bitter at other people, bitter at God. Reminds me of a story. Uh, when we were under tension, for came to pick what? I took up golf. I figured I'd hit the golf ball. And I'd get away from things. I was a terrible golfer. I loved to go golfing because I liked to look for things. I'd find lots of golf balls. In fact, when we moved from here, I had several kegs all the way full of golf balls I didn't know what to do with. But I was a terrible golfer. But I like stories about golf. And I read a story one time about the guy who went golfing, and uh, he came in a little late, and his wife said, Honey, how was golf? He said, oh, I shot a pretty good game, but it wasn't really a very good day. He said, Well, what happened? He said, Well, I was out there golfing with my friend Roger, and lo and behold, he said, On the sixth green, on the sixth green we were getting ready to... to to put in, and there was a, somebody hit their golf ball, they yelled four, we tried to duck, but it didn't do any good, it hit Roger right in the head, and it knocked him out, and the wife said, oh, that's terrible, what'd you do, what happened, he said, yeah, it was really terrible, he said, after that, it was hit the ball, drag Roger, hit the ball, drag Roger, hit the ball, drag Roger, you know, it didn't work for good, and we're good for Roger, and it wasn't good for the guy either. Some people drag regret and bitterness and anger and wanting to get even and yelling at God and everybody else all their life, and they're dragging it behind. And God says, open the door. Let me come in. I've got something better for you. I want to even rearrange your bitterness. I want to rearrange your envy. I want to rearrange that anger you have. Just like he had to rearrange the lady's mind before she could respond in a Christian way. He comes in, he not only rearranges what we do, he rearranges our thought. Story goes, there were two monks in the golden days. They're walking down there with their flowing robes. They come up to a river, and lo and behold, beside the river is this old lady that's unkept, dirty, unbathed, rather heavy. And she says, could you boys help me across this stream? And reluctantly, since they're monks, they cross their arms, they carry her across, they put her on the other side. She doesn't even say thank you. Probably says it's about time. They go on their way. One of the monks is just singing and happy and praising God. The other one is, ugh, my, my robe still stinks from her. She could have made it across by herself. It wasn't fair. On and on and on, just complaining, complaining, complaining. 
And then he looks at the other guys singing. He says, how can you be so happy when we had to carry that dirty old lady across the, across the stream? He looked at her and said, the reason I'm happy is I put her down when we cut her across the river. The reason you're unhappy is you're still carrying her. Think about it. People go through life carrying things. Put it down. You're not going to change the past. And no matter how sad it is, no matter how unfair it may have been, God still has a plan for you, a good plan for the rest of your life. No matter what you've done, and you're looking back at your life, and you're so angry at yourself, and you say, I'll never forgive myself for what I did. If God will forgive you, why are you trying to overrule God? Why do you want to go above God? He's willing to forgive you. Open the door and invite him in. He will come in. And when he comes in, the darkness can turn to light. Any of you ever been to Space Mountain in, in, in uh, Disney World? We went to Space Mountain. It's a, it's a uh, roller coaster that's inside a building. So it's dark and lights drop out. I don't even like roller coasters. But our kids wanted to go on it. They were elementary age. And Mary doesn't like roller coasters. So I got on with the youngest, with Christina. Mary was sitting there in another part of the car with the next one. The third one was old enough to be by himself. And we rolled through space mountains. You know, my wife says it's the longest two minutes of her life. <laughs> but did you know that in the midst of all that, there was some light at the end of the tunnel? And if you're going through a hard time today, don't quit. God has a plan. There's light at the end of the tunnel. As long as we'll let him come in and rearrange the furniture of our life. Well, here's the end of the story of Laodicea. If you look it up in Revelation. Here's what he wrote to Laodicea. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Wouldn't you love Jesus to just jump out to say and said, you've been victorious. You can sit down with me on my throne. Here's the good news. The people who study the history of the early church tell us that years later, when a lot of the churches had fallen to almost nothingness, there was still one really strong, victorious church in the area. Do you know which one it was? Laodicea. The church that was condemned became the strong church of the whole area. I believe they heard the voice. They opened the door. They realized they weren't so great on their own. They realized that they weren't so powerful. And they opened the door. And instead of being like their water, useless, they became like the hot water, useful, like the cold water, useful, and they made a great change in their area. And today, God gives us that chance. But the children of Israel, 
I know the plans for you, God says. They refused to do it, and they suffered. I don't know what you're doing, what's happening in your life, but here's a verse we can all remember. If we are faithless, in other words, if we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing in the kingdom of God, just remember this. He is faithful. He can't disown himself because that's God's nature. If you're going through a hard time in life, God is still with you. He's still there. The Bible says we'll find him if we seek him with our hearts. If you're going through a time when you're not really in the obedience of God, God still is calling you. He's still there. We can still find him there. So in a little bit, when we take, partake of communion, remember, he's still there. Take him into your life again. If things are great and you're right, right where you want to be, take him into your life again. He's still there. Worship team, come on up here wherever you are. We're going to sing as we partake of these elements. I want to uh, read you some of the words in the song. Here it says, we're going to sing this. I've still got joy in chaos. Wow. Right there. No matter. Well, thank you. I've still got joy in chaos. Even though things aren't going too well. I've decided I've got joy. And I've got peace that makes no sense. People say, well, how can you be satisfied when that happened? How can you still love the Lord? And how can you still feel God has a purpose for your life when I've got peace when it makes more sense? So I'm not going to go under. Why? Because Christ has come into my life. And I'm not held up by my own space. Because I've built my life on Jesus. I've opened the door. He knocked. I opened and I let him rearrange my furniture. He'll, he's never let me down. He's faithful in every season. So why would he fail me now? No, he won't fail. He won't fail. And even when I fail, he's still there. And he invites me back into his perfect will. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. Well, will you stand, please? The communion elements are here. Lord, as we partake of communion today, help us all to concentrate on what's really happening. A symbol of you coming into our heart whether it's the first time or anew, we invite you into our hearts, into our lives. Rearrange our furniture just like you want it. In your name, amen. God bless you as you partake. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app today to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you or changed your life, share it with a friend. 
because changed lives change lives.